Ruth 2, there was a relative of Naomi's husband, a man of great wealth, of the family of Elimelech. His name was Boaz. So Ruth the Moabitess said to Naomi, Please let me go to the field and glean heads of grain after him in whose sight I might may find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. Then she left and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the family of Elimelech. And now, behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered him, The Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his servant, who was in charge of the reapers, Whose young woman is this? So the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered and said, It is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. And she said, Please let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came and has continued from morning until now, though she rested a little in the house. Then Boaz said to Ruth, You will listen, my daughter, will you not? Do not go to glean in another field, nor go from here, but stay close by my young women. Let your eyes be on the field which they reap, and go after them. Have I not commanded the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink from what the young men have drawn. So she fell on her face, bowed down to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes, that you should take notice of me, since I am a foreigner? And Boaz answered and said to her, It has been fully reported to me all that you have done for your mother-in-law, since the death of your husband, and how you have left your father and your mother, and the land of your birth, and have come to a people whom you did not know before, the Lord repay you, repay your work, and a full reward be given you by the God, Lord God of Israel, under whose wings you have come for refuge. Then she said, Let me find favor in your sight, my Lord, for you have comforted me, and have spoken kindly to your maidservant, though I am not like one of your maidservants. Now Boaz said to her at mealtime, Come here and eat of the bread and dip your piece of bread in the vinegar. So she sat beside the reapers and he passed parched grain to her. And she ate and was satisfied and kept some back. And when she rose to glean, Boaz commanded his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and do not reproach her. Also, let grain from the bundles fall purposely for her. Leave it that she may glean, and do not rebuke her. So she gleaned in the field until evening, and beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. And then she took it up and went into the city, and her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. So she brought out and gave to her what she had kept back after she had been satisfied. And her mother-in-law said to her, Where have you gleaned today? And where did you work? Blessed be the one who took notice of you. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked 
and said, The man's name with whom I work today is Boaz. Then Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, Blessed be he of the Lord, who has not forgotten his kindness to the living and the dead. And Naomi said to her, This man is a relation of ours, one of our close relatives. Ruth and the Moabites said, He also said to me, You shall stay close by my young men until they have finished all my harvest. And Naomi said to her, Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter, that you go out with his young women and that my people do not meet you in any other field. So she stayed close by the young women of Boaz to to glean until the end of barley harvest and wheat harvest, and she dwelt with her mother-in-law. And so far we read in God's inspired word, may he bless uh, its reading and the preaching of it to our hearts this morning or this afternoon. Beloved in Christ, Jesus our Lord, uh, Naomi and, and Ruth, as, as you heard too last Sunday, I trust, um, have come back to Bethlehem. And uh, they returned at the beginning, it says, of the barley harvest, which in uh, that time, area of the world is just about this time of the year. And that, that was the positive note, the hopeful note that chapter 1 ends with. And now when here in our chapter 2, uh, as, as Naomi and Ruth have returned to Bethlehem, we read of Ruth's readiness, her willingness to go out and work, to do whatever work she can find to do. And, you know, sometimes we get the attitude, well, if I can't get a, a, a job with good pay that kind of I'm worthy of, I'm not going to work at all. So many people have that attitude, but not Ruth. When Ruth got to Bethlehem, she was not afraid to work. She was not afraid to do the lowest of the lowest of the jobs, which was to go out and glean after the harvesters. That was reserved for the the very poor people, but she was willing to do that. What about her mother-in-law, Naomi? Um, We don't know. Either her health prevents her, her age and health prevents her from strenuous labor, or maybe her bitterness has, has sunk so far, because we know she was bitter, right, that she's despairing and she doesn't want to do anything, which can easily happen when you're in a depressed state. Uh, all you want to do is go to bed. Um, I remember feeling that way a long time ago, and I was in a real depression in my youth. Um, but uh, whatever the reason, we're not exactly sure why Naomi stays home, maybe it's just because she's that old. But the first thing that we read about Ruth is that she says to Naomi, please let me go to the field and glean heads of grain after him in whose sight I may find favor. And and then Naomi says, go, my daughter. So here we remember that the Lord himself made provision. Our, our, Our theme is God's provision. And it's God's provision here for Ruth and Naomi through Boaz. And of course you're going to find out throughout the book of Ruth that there's something very special about who who Boaz is and his relationship to Ruth and Naomi. And he's a picture for us of the Lord Jesus Christ too. Um, And and so, but then in the background is already here God's provision for the needy in, in Israel among his people. 
where he made this law in Leviticus 19, 9 and 10, when you reap the harvest of the land, he's talking to those who are farmers and who, who can reap the harvest, you shall not reap wholly the corners of your field, nor shall you gather the gleanings of your harvest, and you shall not glean your vineyard, nor shall you gather every grape from your vineyard, you shall leave them for the poor and the stranger. I am the Lord your God. It's kind of striking how the Lord provides for the poor. It's not as if he just gives them a free meal and, 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 uh, and so they, they can kind of just be lazy and not do anything. They still had to work for their bread. The gleaner would follow the reapers and um, gather the heads of grain that the reapers may have missed here and there. It's, they still had to work quite hard to get enough to eat. And um, here then, uh, Ruth was following the reapers who were already harvesting by hand. And, and, and they didn't necessarily leave that much behind. And what we read here is that after Boaz told the young... Afterwards, is that afterwards, Boaz told the young men to purposefully let some of the grain uh, fall from the bundles for Ruth to glean. It still took Ruth a whole day of hard work to collect an ephah or half a bushel of barley, which was quite a bit for gleaning, which was a lot for gleaning as we'll see, but it, it took a whole day for that. For the average gleaner, the most that they could expect to harvest would have been just enough for, to give food for another day or two on their table. And for Naomi, that's all that she dared to expect. Because um, that is the, that's all that she dared to expect. And Naomi agreed with the idea of Ruth going out and gleaning because that's the way the Lord had given for the essentials of life to be provided for the poor. And she expects just enough to get by on. Because that was Naomi's uh, state of heart right now and the state of her expectations was not all that high. All, she was not expecting uh, as, as you may know, she was not expecting to find joy and happiness and prosperity back in Bethlehem. She was just hoping to, to find enough to survive. But the Lord had something unexpected in store. And that's really our first point. The Lord's unexpected provision. His unexpected generosity. It was wonderful, yet unexpected. Ruth could not have expected it. Because Naomi has not given her any hints of this. She is ignorant of the existence of any close and wealthy and caring relative like Boaz. And either Naomi has forgotten about him, or what is more likely is that she was sure that she had alienated herself from her relatives in Bethlehem by their earlier desertion of God's covenant people when they went away to try to find it you know, better in Moab. Um, and so she probably felt ashamed of that. And even by the fact that she hadn't come back right after her husband died, she still, there was still a long absence even after her husband had died. Um, but despite her low expectations, 
The opening verse of this chapter gets the reader ready to expect the unexpected. And so we read that she left and gleaned in the field after the reapers, and that she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the family of Elimelech. That was Naomi's husband, who now was dead. Now, when you read those words, she happened to come. What does that reveal? It doesn't reveal that this was unplanned by God, but that it was totally unplanned by Ruth or Naomi. She knew nothing of him or who he was. She didn't uh, think, oh, there's Boaz somewhere and maybe I can find his field and maybe I'll, get, I'll be better off there. No, she just happened to come. She knew nothing of what God was provide, about to provide for her and Naomi. To the world, of course, the idea of happening to pass by somewhere, happening to come somewhere, means that it was just by chance. But God is reminding us that what is unplanned by us is always still in God's providential plan. We confess that, don't we? In Lord's Day 10 of our Heidelberg Catechism, if you're familiar with that, it reminds us there that providence is the almighty and everywhere present power of God, whereby all things, including prosperity and poverty, come come to us not by chance, but by His fatherly hand. So what happens to Ruth here is a good reminder for you and me that no matter how totally unexpected or unplanned something is by us, it's always expected and planned by God. Of all the fields around Bethlehem that Ruth could have ended up in, she ends up in Boaz's field. But there's even more than that. Normally, she would have likely moved on to other fields to glean also. But of all the times to glean, she happens to be there just as Boaz happens to happen by. What a fluke. What a coincidence, right? Oh no, what timing. Under the perfect control of a Heavenly Father who's always looking out for and providing for caring for His children. How good it would be if we would grow in our awareness, our remembrance of God's providential care over the lives of His people. I believe that's why we read of the way even that Boaz greets his reapers. How does he greet his reapers? He says, the Lord be with you. The Lord is on Boaz's mind. And in his words and in the way his reapers answer him, don't you sense the awareness of the Lord being among them? It would probably be a good thing if we would uh, start saying, instead of saying just the normal old goodbye, we would expand that because you probably know that that goodbye is is the contraction of what people used to say, God be with you. Exactly what Boaz was saying. Maybe it would do us good to say that more often rather than just goodbye. Next thing you know, he sees this new woman. And then he asks his head servant, whose young woman is this? And they tell him that she is the young Moabite woman who came with Naomi from the land of Moab. And they inform him 
what she had asked, that she had asked if she could glean in the field and of how she had been a diligent worker all day. She rested just a little while in the house. And when Boaz hears this, he decides to go talk to Ruth personally and invite her to stay with his young women instead of moving on to the other fields. And he promises her protection from the freedoms, the kind of wrong freedoms that young men might otherwise take uh, in terms of advantage of her. As well as provision, he promises provision to drink from the water drawn by his servants. And, and what is Ruth's reaction? She's, she's stunned. She's flabbergasted. She, she even falls on her face in humility before Boaz. And asks, why are you taking notice of me? Why are you showing me this, this kindness? I don't deserve this. His generosity is so unexpected by her. It's not something she's used to. In fact, she might have been already prepared by Naomi and Naomi's attitude to expect kind of the opposite, a cold shoulder treatment. Because after all, she's a foreigner. And sometimes people give foreigners second-class treatment. How careful we need to be that we don't allow our prejudices and preconceived notions about a person's different background or culture to get in the way of showing love hospitality, the way Boaz does to Ruth, to the stranger, especially someone who's in need. So although Ruth is a foreigner, Boaz is not approaching her with his antennae of suspicion raised. He just takes a sincere, caring interest in her. And he tells her that he's heard about her. And all that she has done for her mother-in-law, Naomi. And then he blesses her with a prayer that the Lord would fully reward her for her work, the one under whose wings she has come to trust. And until now, she had not heard those kind of words. She had not experienced somebody saying those kind of kind things and encouraging things to her, appreciation, honor, praise. She hadn't had that from even from her own mother-in-law, Naomi. So here the unexpected has happened, which verse uh, 1 was already getting us ready to expect. Unknown yet to Ruth, Boaz isn't just the owner of the field she happened to come into. And he's not only a man of great wealth, but he's actually a relative actually a close relative of Elimelech, her father-in-law. And because of this, Boaz, who knew that he was, felt a close, a real desire to help her. So he invites her even to come and share their meal. It's kind of interesting how it makes the point that she eats what she needs and then she even takes the extra what he gives her there and keeps that back to take home to Naomi so she'll have more. So she's very, very conscientious here. And, uh, and then Boaz in his generosity instructs the servants to make sure that there's far more than would normally be left behind for her to glean. 
purposely lets them fall off. And so when Ruth returns to Naomi and shows her the three-fifths of a bushel of barley she had gleaned, it's about 22 liters, and the leftover that she had received at lunchtime, Naomi knows that something amazing has happened. Something special has happened. It had to happen. There's been a special provision of the Lord. And there's no way that otherwise Ruth, a hard worker though she was, could have ended up with so much after one day's work of gleaning. So uh, Naomi right away asks her, where have you gleaned today? Where did you work? Someone had to have noticed you and favored you. Blessed be the one who did it. Ruth tells Naomi in whose field she had worked. And now it was Naomi's uh, turn in a sense to be stunned. The man's name was his Boaz. And, and you can sense that it, Naomi now is, herself is overwhelmed um, by the sign of what she thought she no longer had reason to hope for or look for. Then Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, Blessed be he of the Lord. And here's these beautiful words. Who has not forsaken his kindness to the living and the dead. And Naomi said to her, This man is a relation of ours, one of our close relatives. And, and in future messages you'll find out more what it meant in Israel to be a close relative or a, sometimes translated a kinsman. Redeemer. Um, we don't really have an English word for that, but it's in the Hebrew, it's goel. And, and that word was used to refer to a near relative who was responsible to come to the help of a family member in need. For instance, when the family property of a dead relative was being offered for sale, it would be the privilege of the goel, if he possibly could, if he had the means, to seek to retain or recover the property for the sake of that family in need. Also, if he could, he would free a living kinsman from slavery that resulted from his poverty, where he had to give himself over to being a bondservant. A kinsman redeemer, if he had the resources, would uh, be, be looked to 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 help free such a person. And a close relative or, kin or goel would also be the one to avenge the blood of a dead relative. And all of these things, the goel or close relative redeemer fulfilled his calling of God to do all that he could to provide. Again, to provide on behalf of God, in a sense, for the family of his near relative by making payments others couldn't make and redeeming them. If you know this, then you see why it's so wonderful that he, the Lord has brought Ruth, not into any family of any rich person or compassionate person, but into the field of Boaz and brought her into contact with him. Because in Boaz, then, there is someone who can provide the reason for hope that especially Naomi had lost. For Boaz could be a redeemer. A redeemer to pay their debts, to set them free from the debts, even debts that were consequences of their own sins and failures. Now, think to yourself, will you? 
of how the Lord has made the same provision for you and me, for someone to pay for and free us from our debts, debts incurred by our sin. Think of the parallels. It shouldn't be too hard. We too, because of our sin and our rebellion, had no reason to expect such a provision, such kindness, such a redeemer. We were not deserving. We were rebellious sinners in Adam, every one of us. And you know, you might think that Boaz... You know, being wealthy and highly respected in Israel and in Bethlehem, that he might have been, you know, ashamed of his relationship to Naomi. This is the Naomi that went off to the Moabites. This is the Naomi that even stayed with Moab for some time after her husband died. And then and this is this is a Moabitess woman. She's of that nation, you know, that was born of of the incest of Lot with his daughters, enemies of Israel. You might think that Boaz would have had reason to be ashamed of these ones. And Naomi, who had fled the land of promise with her husband, and Ruth, who came from an idolatrous nation. But Boaz was not ashamed, not ashamed to call them brethren. Sisters. Just like thank God there was someone. That God provided for you and me. Who's not ashamed to call us. Brothers. And sisters. Though he had every reason to be ashamed. How amazing. That the perfect son of God. Jesus. Became. Like unto us in everything, sin accepted. And he was not ashamed to call us his brethren. He's not ashamed to say, you are my family. And he's not ashamed. And he's not trying to avoid the responsibilities that are part and parcel of being your goel, your close relative, redeemer. He will do what a kinsman redeemer is meant to do. He'll free from the self-incurred debt of sin and pay the price for your freedom and your salvation. Man sinned. Man had to pay for sin. Jesus became a man so that he could make the payment. You couldn't make. You didn't have it in you. To make that payment and be freed. For you, you would have ever been forever making the payment. And so would I. And as his people, his church, he took you as he did Ruth under his wings for refuge and made you his bride. What else does our text say? That Boaz was a man of immense wealth. He was, he was rich. He had great resources. But nothing compared to the resources of Jesus. Son of God, cattle on a thousand hills are His. And this man's name here in our text was Boaz. And like the other names 
here and throughout the book of Ruth, this name has a special meaning too. A meaning that is part of the picture that Boaz plays in pointing to Jesus. Because Boaz means mighty. Mighty in wealth. Mighty in resources. Mighty in wisdom. Mighty in compassion. Mighty to provide. Mighty to cover the debts of whomever he chooses. A person might have thought, boy, what would such a mighty person, a person who has it all, why would such a person want to preoccupy himself with someone like Ruth or Naomi, who are so far down the rung of society? He's so mighty and so influential and so respected, and they're so poor and so insignificant. If they're famous, it's for the wrong things. But here again, God paints a picture pointing to the much greater gap between the mighty and the poor, between the mighty Redeemer, the Goel to come, and His people. Why would the glorious, mighty, eternal Son of God lay aside His glory and stoop down to come to us, to meet us in our field and to speak to us, Why would he take notice of the insignificant specks that we are in this huge universe? Why would someone who can claim ownership of the cattle on a thousand hills and of the moon and the stars which he has ordained, why would he stoop down and take notice of you? Who are you? Who am I? Why should he talk or listen to us? He is so rich and mighty. We're so poor and, and indebted. And there's only one answer. Only one answer to the answer of why he would do this. And that answer is his amazing grace. Amazing grace that God would provide such a Goel redeemer. Close relative redeemer for you and me. Totally unexpected, totally undeserved. God gave him to us. Unplanned by us, but planned by him. A Goel for you and me, born like Boaz. Just like Boaz in Bethlehem. Yes, for unto us a child is born. A son is given. And his, the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful. Count the Counselor, the Mighty God. The Mighty God who is Boaz, <laughs> Mighty. The Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth, even forever. Now the question is, do you know your Redeemer? Do you know your going? Have you happened into His field? And has God brought you to, has God, which God has brought you to even today? And are you gleaning? Are you gleaning by His generosity from His provision? under His protection. And I pray that you are, and that God will keep dissuading you and dissuading me from ever thinking of going back to find more success or more happiness in that land of Moab, in that land of idolatry that He's called us away from. I pray that if and when we stray, as we all too often are tempted to do, that we will, like Naomi, 
see the hand of God bringing us back and revealing spiritually, as it were, before our very eyes, the one who, though mighty, is not ashamed to call us his brethren, his family, who redeems and frees us by paying for every single sinful debt we have ever incurred. That we owe by bringing us into wonderful fellowship with Him forever. Amen.